Talking Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. Welcome to the Everything Leafs podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza, as always. We have a playoff preview podcast today. And for the first time in 42 years, the Leafs will face the Montreal Canadiens at the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, oddly enough, for the first time in 42 years, Nick wrote an article. Nick, how you doing? <laughs> I was I was activated off LTIR from uh, Leafs wow. Nation. That's what everyone's been talking about for the last 48 hours is uh, the cap circumvention that uh, they used to, to activate me. So They definitely pulled the kusher out of there. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's... I think it was. It's a. Um, it's a scenario. It's an event that prompts someone to get back into writing. Is Leafs versus Montreal. I mean, if there's any sort of present of watching this North Division this year, which I've quite enjoyed actually for what it's worth. Um, but if this is the cherry on top, getting a Leafs Montreal series at the end, I think it's well worth it. And you know, we're watching playoff hockey. It started two days ago, and. I mean, it's almost like the the weight's kind of killing us, but we've been watching some really good playoff hockey the last couple of days, so hopefully the Leafs-Montreal uh, is just as good. Like, that Florida game was excellent yesterday. That was one of the best games I've seen. And I know you're excited for these Vancouver games coming up, the Vancouver-Calgary. I know you're... I know you're pretty hyped for those. I think I think those are actually... That's my next article, is on this three-game <laughs> series. Is Or sorry, is it two games or three games? I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> but... Just in terms of just overall thoughts, I know obviously the intensity is going to be high, the emotions will be high. Like playoffs always are are pretty, you know, intense for the fan base. But Montreal specifically having that rivalry will be, you know, I think it's going to be incredibly entertaining, but also incredibly uh, intense. But just in terms from the two teams' point of view, so you did write an article, Nick, on you know the playoff preview, how the two teams match up against each other. I guess without getting too into the nitty gritty, just off the t- like. Just at a glance, what's kind of the first thing you notice that's different about this, about these two teams? Well, to start, I do think that Montreal, you and I have been talking up Montreal all year. I think both of us had them as our second best teams in the North Division. We've kind of stuck to it to a certain extent throughout the year. Um, and every time that we say that, you know, they're the second best team, it feels like they let us down. Like they start losing games, their goaltending looks rough. Um you know, they've had a pretty up and down year. The first thing that I would say is these two teams in terms of what their strengths are, are is quite similar. They're both very good five on five teams. They both struggled at, in terms of special teams this year. They both had some rocky goaltending, whereas the Leafs, you know, had rocky goaltending at the end and Jack Campbell kind of came to the rescue. So I do think that the Leafs are going to get tested in this series. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. But I will say this, for obvious reasons, it's a very tough matchup for Montreal because the Leafs are the best team in this division. But just in terms of strengths and weaknesses, I think this is a really bad matchup for Montreal. I think they'd much rather play you know, a very good offensive team like Winnipeg or even Edmonton that can't really defend very well. But um, I think it's going to be a heck of a series. Yeah, I, I think any. I think the Leafs are the best Canadian team. So I think Montreal would have rather played anyone else. I mean, the Leafs just are so much more complete this year in terms of defense. Uh, I know you you wrote this somewhere, but 
you know, you look at the defense last year with Tyson Berry, who was a huge liability. Um, Riley, although he's a good player, is weak defensively. They had Marinson in once there was an injury last year. They had CC in. And then this year, it just looks like they're very complete. And, of course, Sandine's another year older. He's actually in the playoff lineup this time. Uh, but the addition of Brody and, j- and just hopefully having a healthy Muzzin should make a massive, massive difference. But I got a, a quick question for you here. Over or under 50%, what do you think the odds are that the Leafs win the Canadian division and head to the, the semifinals? I would have to say over 50%. I think anytime you're betting on seven-game series, you're you're probably playing a little bit with money. But, um, I mean, the Leafs should win this, this North division. I think that they're the best team. I think there's a bit of a gap between them and the second-best team, whether, you know, I've been going back and forth between all three of the teams, really, I think you can make the case for any of Winnipeg, Edmonton, or Montreal being the second-best team. But regardless, I just think there's a gap between them and the Leafs. The Leafs have very... They, they don't really have many um, weaknesses right now, as you said. So I'll go over 50%. Yeah, I'm going under. Um, I know everyone feels like it's over. I don't know what to tell the fan base, but like in hockey, the, the NHL playoffs... Anyone can beat anyone. That's how it feels. Like, I don't think even Colorado is, um, you know, I, I could see St. Louis beating Colorado. I don't think that's out of the question. And, like, if you looked at, I don't think Dom Lachizian's put his, his lease preview out yet, but if you looked at that, and they say they had 65, you know, 65, 35%, uh, you know, the Leafs, that's that's a very that's lopsided big. for an yeah. NHL. So, yeah, if you do 0. 0.65 times 0. 0.65, like, not to be a complete nerd here, but... It's it's forty two percent. So I think they're they're under fifty percent if you looked at the the models to make the uh, to win the Canadian Vision. I know that's disappointing for these fans; they don't want to hear the math. But I just think like off the top, I just want to say like they had a very good regular season. That's worth something to me. Um, I think that they were different this year than in previous years, just in terms of having that better defense. I think they were a better team this year. I definitely think they took steps in the right direction regardless of what, whether they win or lose this first-round series. But I do think that this is a big series. Like, they got to win. Or, you know, I don't even want to see Twitter if the, if the Habs beat them on uh, in this series. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of irrational thoughts. But this is like a, like, please, please, please beat the Habs in the first round. I don't know what else to say. Like It's, it's such it, a high-risk, high-reward um, series and I was talking to one of my friends who's a diehard Montreal fan and I said that a high risk high reward and he said well I mean is it really a high reward because you know you're expected to beat us we're playing pretty bad right now and I said yeah it's a high reward we haven't like I haven't seen us none of us have seen a series win since 2004 so I'm going to say it's a high reward another thing I do want to say is that Montreal's season hasn't gone to their expectations but you know, the way that you play throughout the year doesn't change your cap situation. And when you looked at this Montreal team at the beginning of the year, they were in a season where they had money to spend for this year because I'm going to go through the free agents at the end of this year. Thomas Tatar, UFA. Deneau, UFA. Armia, UFA. Lekanen, RFA. Eric Stahl, UFA. Kotkaniemi, RFA. Perry, UFA. Frolik UFA, Gustafson UFA, uh, John Merrill UFA, and then Lindgren, so it doesn't really matter. So, like, this is a pretty big year for Montreal, too, when you when you look at just their whole cap situation. 
they spent money to you know extend to bring in um Josh Anderson to extend him as well. They brought in Jake Allen to kind of solidify that goaltending. So I think this is a pretty big year for Montreal. I know it, it didn't ha- it didn't go to expectation, but you know they still spent at the deadline for Eric Stahl for a couple months of Eric Stahl. Um, they're bringing up Cole Caulfield here, and it looks well. We're going to talk about that in a bit. So you know I don't think they're the favorite. I don't think they're going to be that disappointed if they lose this series, but. They're going to have some big decisions at the end of this offseason. So, you know, obviously they, they have uh, some chips in this in this battle as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, if, if you're cheering for Montreal, I think, you know, as the underdog, you have a bit of a different mentality. You're almost expecting to lose. And yeah, I don't think it's quite like when the Leafs played Washington that year and we all kind of, you know, we're happy to get to six games. Um, I do think that they are going to be expecting to win just because of the rivalry. But uh, the Leafs definitely have the edge. And I think... Specifically, where they have the edge is forwards, the scoring talent. I look at my trails roster as much as I like Nick Suzuki, as much as I like Toffoli and Gallagher, like Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, William Nylander. The the Habs can't match that. Maybe they could match a Nylander Tavares if, if that was their first line, but having that as a second line is is really the strength of the Leafs and. You know, that Hyman-Matthews-Marner line should be able to be the best line in this series. And I, I, I think this is a... How would you compare it, kind of out of curiosity here, how would you compare Montreal to Columbus last year? Because I think they're both pretty strong defensively, uh, specifically at 5-on-5. Five five. Um, and, you know, both both have some goaltending questions, but I think there's a little bit of similarity here. Um. I was thinking a lot about it, you know, when I was writing the article, when I've been doing my research this past, you know, two weeks. The biggest difference between the Columbus series and the Le- and the sorry, the Montreal series is when it comes to Leafs Columbus last year, the Leafs were a pretty different team last year. They were very good offensively, they weren't good defensively, they were good on the power play. And it almost felt like everything Columbus was good at, the Leafs were not so good at. And everything the Leafs were good at, like offense, Columbus was not good at. So you, you almost kind of knew what that series was going to be like. It was going to be Columbus sitting back, protecting the middle, having very limited chances and hoping that they score on it, hoping for some bad goaltending. And Columbus would need very good goaltending. And that's virtually exactly what happened. They went to five games. And in the end, the goaltending and the, the, the poor puck luck for the Leafs was kind of the difference in the end. Um with this series, it's a bit different. The Leafs are a lot better defensively this year. They're also good offensively. It just feels like to me that everything Montreal does well, the Leafs do better. And I think that's the difference between this year and last year. Um, but I, I can certainly see a situation where you know Montreal goes and outplays the Leafs in, in quite a few of these games in terms of shot attempts, um, in terms of maybe expected goals, and the Leafs shooting talent really shines through and they still win this series. Yeah, so there's a few things I wanted to highlight. One, and I know you mentioned this in your article, is the Habs are a quantity over quality team. They take a lot of shots, but a lot of shots from the point, whereas the Leafs really generate a lot of scoring chances at 5-on-5, five five, at least during the regular season. We saw when it, when push came to shove in the playoffs last year, they struggled. I give Columbus a lot of credit. They had some very strong defensive players, but I, I do think that the Leafs should have the shot quality advantage, right. uh, at least on paper. You'd expect it. And I'm looking at the Habs lines, like that Tatar-Deneau-Gallagher line. Deneau is probably going to get the Matthews matchup. 
I think that's really the key matchup. If Matthews can can win that matchup and look like himself, I think you know you could trust Tavares against Suzuki. You could trust you know a Riley Nash against really anyone because he's strong defensively. And I don't know what to think of that Spezza line. I think we've talked about that in the past, but you know it, it's I do think Montreal's got good depth, but I don't think there's any any one line up front where I think they have a huge edge over Toronto. So. Definitely see why we have Toronto as the favorite, and I think the regular season record spoke for itself. Um, and and Montreal doesn't have historically a great power play either, so uh, I don't really know where the Habs have the advantage. I just know that you know they they're a tough team to play against. They are physical. They do typically play pretty well at five on five. I think, as you said, we've mentioned for a while now that that was a team we didn't really want to play, but I do still think the Leafs are a pretty heavy favorite here. Oh, definitely. Uh, when when I do look at Montreal's lines, that Tatar Dano Gallagher line, like that's been one of the best five on five lines for probably the last, probably the last two calendar years. Um, I, I'm not complete like Dano in the in the ten games that the Leafs played them this year. Dano did get a lot of those tough matchups against Matthews. I would not be surprised if at some time during the series they switch from that and and. They go with Toffoli, Suzuki, and bring Anderson to that line. Um, I haven't ruled that out. Suzuki has played with Anderson quite a bit this season. Um, he's also played with Toffoli a lot. That that pairing offensively has been really good. Suzuki has 10 assists on, on Toffoli's goals, so they've been very good. I don't think they're going to break them up, but I'm not completely sold that um, Montreal is going to keep Deneau on Matthews the whole series. Because I could see them loading up that Toffoli Suzuki Anderson line and trying that one out, but regardless, that's their biggest issue here is they need to stop Matthews and Marner, or else it's going to be a very short series. Yeah, and I, I do think they have some good forwards. Like Gallagher's an outstanding player. Tatar, Toffoli, Anderson, Suzuki—they do have good forwards. I think it is a very—they're a quantity team, both in terms of, I think, forward talent, and then also in terms of. Uh, just just the shots they take is, is you know a lot of qu- quantity point shots if you will but I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the Leafs power play because it's been struggling I think normally we're used to seeing you know a pretty good power play in the regular season and then it kind of sometimes it kind of fades out come playoff time I'm hoping for the opposite here obviously where we haven't had the best power play this year hopefully it's amazing come playoff time but I did notice Thornton on the top unit Hyman on the top unit in front of the net, uh, along with Matthew Smarter and Sandine on the point. Uh, what, do, what are your thoughts on going with that strategy on the power play? I would like it. I, I, it almost feels like they've tried everything right now, and it, it almost feels like a lot of it is in their head nowadays. Like The entries aren't looking too good. They just don't look as confident on the power play when they actually do set up. Um it's not a situation right now where they're getting really high quality chances and they're just missing. You know, it's not like game five, John Tavares has an empty net and he misses the net. I don't think that's happening right now. I just think that they're, I don't know if it's in there in their head or, or what's going on, but I mean, you know, if we're as people who, who follow the Leafs and, and obviously like the Leafs, the one thing that we can kind of hang our heads on is, this is virtually the same five-man unit that we've seen do very, very well at the NHL, you know, in the NHL and, and have one of the top power plays in the league. So, um, you know, hopefully they just look at this playoffs as a new season. 
They're obviously playing Montreal, whose PK has really struggled this year. Um, they're actually tied in 22nd with the Leafs this year in terms of their, their penalty kills. So um, it feels like that's the only thing they haven't tried, is they haven't tried playing Montreal for four to se- four to seven games. So hopefully that's the thing that turns it around, is just playing a bad penalty kill. Um, but I don't know. I think I would like to see Sandine there. But, you know, like I've said before on the podcast, I don't think that defenseman whether it's Riley, whether it's Sandine, I don't think that's the problem right now. Um, I think it just might be a confidence thing, you know. It's, you know, it's funny because we're, we're, so, we're so X's and O's and numbers and this and that. And, and with this one, I just think I'm out of answers at this point. Yeah, it's... I don't know if I love Thornton in the middle of the one three one. I think I like Hyman in front of the net. I think I'm fine with that. Especially if it's going to free up Nylander for power play two. I'm just kind of curious to see how the minutes shake out. Uh, with Tavares on the second pa- power play unit, he's probably going to get less minutes. Um, I know, obviously, with Keith, he'll probably stack the unit sometimes. Like, uh, you know, if there's one last shift before the period ends, I'm sure he'll stack the first unit. But uh, I do have obviously have concerns about the power play. I actually like the power play, not the last few games, but before that, I thought they were moving the puck well and just weren't scoring. But the last few games has just been, it's it's been, just bad. been playing out bad. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess we'll see. Hopefully... You know, I think we've kind of learned over the years that regular season power play success doesn't always line up with power play playoff success. Normally, obviously, there's a correlation. Like if you have the Ovechkin Pasternak's and, and you're firing at all cylinders, normally you're gonna have that power that same power play come playoff time. But obviously, it can't get hot and cold. Let's just hope we get hot at the right time. Um, and obviously, the other thing I want to talk to you about is Cool Caulfield and Kakuyemi. <laughs> For me. I'm pretty glad Caulfield's not playing because I thought that, like, he really scared me on the power play. He's got such a good shot from that Ovechkin spot. I think, like, the Habs historically, the last few years, have had a really bad power play. Uh, I'm pretty happy about that. I'm hoping he stays out. Are you on the same boat? Oh, 100%. It's, it's so funny because when you look at both teams right now in terms of their lineup decisions, you have the Leafs, who people, there's a, there's a, you know, a certain amount of people that are Leafs fans, us included really, that would want like Galchenyuk, for example, to be played over Simmons. Keith looks like he wants to go with the experience. He wants to go with guys that have been there before. Looks like game one, Thornton and Simmons are both going to play. And like the similar story is going on with Montreal where they're playing their guys like Perry. They're playing Stahl. Um, I don't think they're in the same situation as Thornton and Simmons. Um, where like I think Stahl's going to play regardless, but they're young guys like Code Kenyemi and Caulfield are also not playing either. So uh, I don't mind the the Code Kenyemi decision, but the Caulfield one is odd to me. I think they need the power play help. He's been scoring, you know, he's been scoring goals. It might be at three on three, but you can't deny that that shot is is electric. Um, I'm completely fine with them not playing. Uh, Caulfield for the whole series that'd be awesome but it's just funny like I I think it'll be cool to see which coach kind of budges from that like who scratches a veteran first or if they do it all but uh, I guess it's almost like a net zero if both coaches are are kind of keeping talent on the bench in order to to have kind of more experienced guys yeah I think with the half point of view like I could get I can see Caulfield being bad defensively. Like, he is undersized. He's a rookie. He doesn't have much NHL experience. Like, I could see that argument. But for a team with like Montreal that historically hasn't had a strong power play, I just thought he was such an X-factor. Like, 
even if you just sheltered him at, like at five on five, like barely played him, like almost treated him as an enforcer, give him like six minutes a night at even strength. Like I was scared of him on the power play. So I think it's going to be one of those situations where if the Habs win game one, he's going to stay out. And if they lose game one or game two, if they're behind in the series and they're not scoring, I think he's going to, I think he's going to find his way back in. I think I'm with you. The Kakaniemi one, I didn't think it was a big deal. I yeah. think I like Jake Evans. Uh, I don't think Kakaniemi had the great year, but um, even Galchenyuk, I'm okay with it. I just find it weird. I think we, you know, talked about this on the last podcast where, you know, they they made this whole deal about how it changed their trade deadline plans, and now he's not even going to play. Like I thought he was good, like really good. Uh, I just think against this former team, Montreal, that I would want him in there. But I I get that they have so many forwards. I just I think he'll be the first guy in. If an injury occurs, unless it's a center, then maybe it's an Engvall or a Brooks. The the one thing that kind of annoys me is, so if you do if you are concerned with Caulfield's, not you, but I just mean Montreal in general, if they are concerned with how um, Caulfield is defensively, you know, ideally you're not gonna you're not going to play him against Matthews and Tavares, and. So one thing that I was thinking about, like, I would be completely fine with Caulfield going up against, if I'm Montreal, going up against... Riley Nash. Riley Nash. Like, Riley Nash is going to hurt you on a line with Kerfoot and Mikheyev. And the fourth line, like, I'd probably be fine with Caulfield going up against Spezza with Simmons and Thornton. Like, I'm not really shaking my boots there. The Leafs, we're going to talk about depth scoring in a bit. Um, but, so, I do see a scenario where, okay... Maybe they're thinking, let's not play Caulfield in Toronto. Let's not get caught off an icing or whatever, and Caulfield's up against Matthews and Tavares. Then, yeah, him defensively, that can definitely become a factor um, and a huge advantage for the Leafs. So it'll be interesting. I think game three, game four, if Caulfield's still not playing, then I do think that you know some Montreal fans should be pretty upset with that. Yeah, if they're down and they're not scoring, I think we'll be in. That's my guess. Um from the Leafs' point of view, what do you think their biggest weakness is? I think the power play, we could say, is one at this point, just because it hasn't been good, and it's it hasn't been good at the you know the worst possible time. Um, other than the power play, what do you think this team's biggest weakness is, or your biggest concern? I guess it would be depth scoring. I think that if Montreal... Montreal's got two pretty good lines. I, I do like their... their the Deneau line, and I do like the Suzuki and um, to Foley, that kind of pairing there. If they can go at least match the Leafs' top lines, top two lines in scoring, um, and somewhat slow them down, like I think we're going to have a pretty good series. I, I do think that the power play is also going to be pretty bad. Like Those are the things that Montreal needs to happen if they want to win this series. Their top two lines are going to have to score with the Leafs' top two lines. And then you pretty much it's open season after that. Because I think the Leafs are really going to struggle to get goals after that, especially if they're playing Simmons and Thornton together. Um, if Galchenyuk's in there, maybe things change. But uh, that's probably my biggest concern right now is that is depth scoring. And I guess the other thing, and this was, I guess, a little bit more systemic, would be Montreal's a pretty good rush team, and the Leafs have been very good at defending one-on-one at their own defensive line. They've got a bunch of really good neutral zone defenders, but I do see Montreal trying to make this a bit of a track meet, like a back-and-forth, north-south kind of series, 
And I think if you are trading those rush chances with Montreal, then I think the overall kind of randomness of the game goes up. And I think that's a good thing for Montreal. So I think for the Leafs, you want to control the game. You want to control kind of the ice and and have the puck as much as you can. Keep Montreal in their own end. Whereas if you're Montreal, I think you want this to be back and forth. Yeah, just looking at Montreal as a team, like Paul Byron is kind of the perfect example of a guy, like his shooting percentage is through the roof. Like he's not Matthews, but he's up there. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised. He gets a lot of breakaways. Oh, yeah. And that that's fourth line in general. Um, they're, they're quick. I mean, they've got... They've got Evans, who's also a pretty good skater. I think Lekkonen, I mean, I don't think he's as fast as the other two, but he's also pretty good on the rush. I really like that fourth line of Montreal. But I want to get your opinion on the third line because it's funny because this past week, it's almost as if I've been trying to make a case for Montreal as, you know, as a Leafs fan who hasn't seen a series win in 2000, since 2004. Like, that's probably the last thing I should be doing, but... That third line for Montreal, I can't see that staying together. They got Eric Stahl. They got Josh Anderson in the in the in, this, in the offseason. Like putting Anderson with a shot first guy like Perry and a center like Stahl, I just think that's such a bad decision by them. And I think they're gonna get burned on that third line. I think it's kind of slow other than Anderson. I don't think they have a good playmaker on that. They're virtually hoping for point shots in their half-court offense and hoping one of those guys either tips it or puts the puck in the net, or they're hoping for Anderson kind of one-on-one rush that he scores on. Yeah, I think I've been pretty impressed with Perry uh, this year. I think he's still got it, especially what we saw from him in last year's playoffs. Like, he'll go to the net. I do think there's going to be a lot of point shots and just, you know, you have two guys that can, or really three guys can go to the net with some size and you know, score some garbage goals. I don't love that third line. I The real question for me is Eric Stahl because obviously he's a, a former Team Canada forward, a former first-line center. But if you look at his numbers from, from Buffalo, he was horrendous. So it, it's kind of difficult to tell where he's at. Uh, like, for me, Joe Thornton, if he was the Leafs' third-line center, I would be a little bit concerned. Right. Um, obviously, I'm a little bit happy with him as a fourth-line winger. But with... With Stahl, it's just I don't know what to make of him. I think he's kind of an X factor for them because if he's if he looks anything like his former self, that's like kind of like what Perry did last year in the playoffs. That's a pretty good third line. But if he's if he's playing like he did for most of the regular season, uh, the Leafs are going to be able to take advantage there. I, I do like with with Riley Nash too, just his ability to be a shutdown center. Like you could throw him out for a shift against Suzuki and feel comfortable. And then, you know, a Tavares or even a Matthews could go out and try to beat up against Stahl. But, yeah, I do think rush offense is definitely uh, definitely a concern, especially all the odd-man rushes Mark and Riley gave up this year. Yeah. Uh, just the speed of... Uh, this is this would be the same if they played Winnipeg, it felt like. There's a lot of odd-man chances Winnipeg gets. Um, and I, I do agree with you as well, Nick, on the, uh, on the scoring depth. I think that was a big issue last year. And, uh, you know, with, with Riley Nash, who's a good defensive center, not a very good offensive center, and then you kind of have that makeshift fourth line that hasn't played together much, uh, I do have some concerns about scoring depth as well. So I think we're in alignment on uh, almost everything here. Yeah, I, I will say this. You know, I, I did mention rush chances there. I'm actually not as 
afraid of rush chance like Montreal's rush chances. I I'm I've got a lot of confidence in this D right now. Like I, I do think that they're mo- the ones that aren't mobile. Let's say you know I don't think Muzzin is like a standout skater, but I think he's smart enough that he doesn't really get beat too much on the rush. Um, for me, it would just be bad pinches from Riley specifically. To be honest, um, he plays so much. He's been jumping up so much this year, um, regardless of the score, really. So I think that's something to kind of keep an eye on. But I think a the number one thing that I would be, I don't even want to say scared of, but I, I think one of the biggest things Montreal needs to get going early is their forecheck. Um, actually, according to Logic Bets is a really good website. Um, they kind of break things down and, and rank um, different teams in, in terms of like cycle chances, in terms of forecheck. So with Montreal... Both teams are actually pretty good in terms of getting goals off of the forecheck this year, uh, which is pretty cool because the Leafs have never really been a good forecheck type of team. Um, and both teams are probably like middle of the pack in terms of allowing uh, forecheck goals. So I do think that the Leafs, that breakout's going to be pretty important. I think Montreal's going to be on top of them on the forecheck. Um so I think that in terms of the Leafs defensively, I think that's my biggest concern for them. Because um, Montreal's got some fast skaters and they've got the ones that aren't fast. They're pretty big and they can win some battles. So I do think that's something the Leafs are going to have to you know, be concerned with, uh, as with really any series. I mean, the forecheck is so important. Yeah, I think Montreal definitely has a lot of size and, and speed. So like Josh Anderson is a perfect example. We saw him just, you know, giving Jake Muzzin a headache for a lot of games this year. <laughs> Gallagher's obviously a workhorse. Army is a big forward. Toffoli is a big forward. So, uh, yeah, Perry, of course, is, is known for getting under guys' skin. So I do think that Montreal is going to be a very physical team. Um, and I guess the other thing, too, is their defense is big. Like Edmonton, yep. Jeff Petrie, uh, Ben Chirot, Shea Weber, that's their top four. It does give me some some memories of, of the Columbus series a little bit last year. I do think they'll be trying to play a similar low-event style. Um, I do think that they, they may be a little bit more willing to trade chances off the rush specifically. Um, and yeah, Muzzin isn't the, the best skater. I don't think Sandine's the best skater as well. So those guys, I'm, you know, that left side, I think you can maybe exploit a little bit with, with Riley there as well. Um, the other thing, I think we're expecting Bogosian back mid-series. Are you expecting Dermot to come out? Ooh, I'm not expecting him to come out, but that's what I would do. Um... I know you that expect Sandine. I expect say I expect Sandine to come out, um, just because of, I don't know, just from the the decisions that Keeps made thus far. He's kind of made safer choices thus far, like looking at like Simmons. I don't even know if it's safer, but it's, you know he he scratched Galchenyuk, um, or it looks like he's gonna scratch Galchenyuk. He's scratching Engvall. Just seems like he's going with experience here, and uh, you know Dermot's not the most experienced guy in the league, but he's definitely more experienced than Sandine. Um, so I guess that's my reasoning for it. I don't know. It's not a bad decision. Like Dermot Bogosian's been fine this year. Yeah, I think I don't know if you can go wrong because yeah, yeah, Dermot Bogosian's been good. I would prefer Sandine. I just I'm a big Sandine fan. But, right. So would I. Yeah, uh, of course. In, in terms of any last thoughts on this series before we move on to report cards, anything that we haven't gotten to that really sticks out, uh, just in terms of a, a call out. I'm going to be watching how that Tavares line is doing 
Um, I haven't really been a huge fan of Felino there um, with with Tavares and Nylander. I do think that if Tavares and Nylander are kind of at the level that they've been at for the second half of the season, I think it's going to be really tough for Montreal to kind of keep up with, with the Leafs scoring. Um, and the other thing is, actually, before we get going to the report cards, are you scared at all of Montreal's physicality or that the Leafs are not going to be able to physically keep up with them? Because it feels like you turn on TV nowadays and, and that's like the main storyline going into this series. Yeah, it's definitely overblown. Like, if, if the Habs can't score, for example, they're probably not going to win the series, and they don't have a lot of scoring talent. But I just think they're a, a, a good team. I think we've said that, you know, kind of all year that we thought they are the second-best team in the division. Uh, you know, it's not like... I, I think Winnipeg is just weak this year outside of goaltending, and I think Edmonton is just, like, it's very predictable, Edmonton. Like, you know... McDavid's going to be amazing. You know, Drysaddle's going to be amazing. The power play's going to be good, but you can kind of beat them everywhere else. So I just think it's a well-rounded team. I don't think they're anything special. Like, I don't see many stars on that team by any means, but they're a good. Like they're just full of pretty good players. And I, I do think that the Leafs have some, some question marks. Like the Felino-Tavares-Nylander line, we haven't really seen them much together. I think we've seen them for like one to two games. Mm-hmm. and I don't really know if Felino fits there yet. And then, you know, obviously the Mikhaev-Nash-Kerfoot line we've never seen. So they're going to be trying to, you know, kind of get in sync and, and get some chemistry that way. We've barely seen the Thornton-Spetsa-Simmons line. I think they've played two, three games together all year. So I just think there's a lot of, of like, the fact that they've only had one line that's kind of played together long-term, being the Hyman-Matthews-Moner line, it's a little bit concerning. Like, we don't really know that, you know, Tavares, Foligno, Nylander works. We might learn this series that it doesn't work. So I just think that's my biggest concern. I'm not too concerned about uh, the physicality aspect because I do think the Leafs are a pretty, you know, a fairly big team. With, like Foligno, Simmons, Hyman, Thornton can hold his own. They got a pretty big defenseman. Um, but I do think that there are some question marks. And just the fact that Montreal's not really a weak team. They're a legitimate playoff team this year. So if you had to give a prediction... How many games? Who's going to win? And let's go with who is the X factor for both teams. Okay. So I'll start just by, I'm going to go least in six. I, I think five is too aggressive. Um, I think seven is certainly, that would have been my second choice, Leafs and seven. I do think you have to give the Leafs the edge. So that's my prediction. Um, I, I just don't see why you would predict Habs and seven other than, you know, the, you have no faith and, anything good happening to the Leafs ever. Um, so I, I think they are the favorite. I do think they have to have, they deserve the prediction. I'll go six games. Again, I think five is too aggressive. I think I think seven is um, definitely possible, but I'll go six. I think there is a, a decent gap. Um, not that that means the Leafs are a shoe-in. It's not a 100% chance. I do think it's probably like 60-40 or 65-35. Um, I'll, I'll hold off my X factors until I hear your series prediction. Yeah, I have, I have Leafs in six too. Um, I think that if they do get their power play going, it, I would be pretty like if someone told me the Leafs are going to score, you know, three or four power play goals a series, then I would probably say Leafs in five. Um, so I'll go Leafs in six as well. I just think I, I don't know if Montreal has an answer for for Matthews. I think sometimes it's just as simple as that. Um, he he's virtually owned them all year 
Matthews Marner has been absolutely fantastic this year. And then getting Hyman back, it's it's just a line that, you know, has just virtually been unstoppable this year um, in the Canadian division. The, the other thing is, you know, we don't talk about intangibles very much on this podcast in general, but I think after the Columbus series last year, my personal, just like how much I value things like camaraderie within the lineup, leadership within the lineup, I think that kind of changed last year. Like the Leafs came, first of all, they they blew that 3-0 th- that lead in Game 3. Game 4, they come back and they look flat th- throughout the whole game. They get that comeback at the end. And then Game 5, they come out completely flat. Um, you know, even in Game 4, like it, it took kind of Spezza had to get into a fight and then they still kind of looked a little flat. Then they scored and then they kind of got their legs going. I think this year we just haven't seen that inconsistency within the Leafs, whether that has to do with Thornton and Simmons and having these, you know, leadership-like guys in the locker room. I guess I don't know. But I just feel like this team is different this year. Their goaltending has been good. Defensively, they've been really good. Offensively, they're still able to score. Um, They're able to defend leads. It just feels like this team's a lot different than past teams that we've seen. I think they're ready to get over this this first round hump and you know they're the favorite here and I I do think that this is the year that they finally uh, get over it the other thing I'll say about the leadership thing is I think Montreal has it in spades too Shea Weber Corey Perry Tyler Toffoli Brendan Gallagher Josh Anderson like I Eric Stahl um I I think it's I, I think there's more than enough on both sides for sure hopefully it is a different story um for me the biggest thing last year was just Lack of high danger scoring chances. Columbus was amazing defensively. The Leafs could not uh, really break their defense. So, yeah, I do think it's different. I do think this team is the best Leafs team we've seen in a long time. But I want to get your X factors here. You said one for each team. Which one do you want to start with? Um, let's hear your... Let's go with Toronto first and we'll end off with Montreal. I My Toronto first? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go with... William Nylander. Love it. I think that if he could get hot, I I just think if that second line can can carry you, I, I just like the odds of Matthews, Marner, Hyman having a good series. Like I think those guys are going to be able to produce at least quite a bit. I don't know if they're going to dominate. You know, Philip Deneau, Shea Weber, uh, Jeff Petrie, you know, they have good guys to match up against him, but... If that second line can can dominate, I, I really like the Leafs' chances. And, you know, he's kind of the the catalyst for that second line. He's the zone entry guy. He's the lead playmaker. Uh, he'll be setting up Tavares and Felino, two heavy guys at front. So, uh, yeah, I, I, th- I got to go with him. I think if, if he could get hot, the Leafs are really built on a team that has two first lines. That's really the competitive advantage they have over other teams. And, uh, I, I think if Nylander could go point per game, for example, I really like this team's chances. So I'm going to go off the board here. I can't knock you for that. I think with the X Factor, you can go with so many different players. Matthews being probably the the, the most obvious one. But I'm going to go completely off the board here. And I'm also going to point out a situation where I was wrong. Um, you've been talking about my article all the time, so i, I got to bring myself back down to earth. The other day, you had a tweet with the fill-in-the-blanks predictions. Mm-hmm. And one of them, you said, number of games played for Anderson. I replied with zero. And I think I'm going to be wrong with that. When I when I replied to that, I actually forgot there was a, uh, the back-to-back. 
So I'm going to go mm-hmm. with the X factor is going to be Frederick Anderson here. I think he's going to play that. Wow. I think he's going to play game four uh, on that back to back. Well, one of the, you know, I don't think they'll go Campbell back to back there. So either Anderson or Riddich, which, you know, I'm sure it'll probably be Anderson. So it'll be Anderson. Yeah. So I'll go with him. I think that if the Leafs win that game, because I, I do think they'll win two of the first three, then that fourth game, we'll see how Anderson plays, if he can come up big for them. Um, and I think it's going to be a quick series. So, and I think our, our, our Leafs in six might uh, come to fruition. So I'll go with Frederick Anderson here. It's a good pick. I like that pick a lot. Yeah, I mean, if obviously the goaltending obviously has big, like they're the biggest X factors because they have the most control over the game. I wasn't going to let you pick Campbell if you pick Campbell because no, no. the goalies are obviously the, always the X factor. But <laughs> I like that Freddie one a lot because if he gets in, and we'll see if he does, I do think he'll play one. Uh, that back-to-back. I guess it depends on what the series is and how many shots Campbell's getting, things like that. But uh, I do like that pick. So let's let's hear your Montreal one. Ooh, this one is tough because Montreal Montreal is such a, you know, it just feels like they just have a bunch of guys. Um, you know, they, it's so tough to kind of pick one out of, of the pack. Like you said, they're they're very quantity over quality, and I think that, to a certain extent, has something to do with their roster as well. Like, they just have a lot of NHL players. Um, I'm going to go with Nick Suzuki. I think he's been really good for this team. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, kind of that half-court offense where the Leafs' defense is set up, Montreal has the puck in the in the in in their offensive zone. And I don't think Montreal has very many high-end playmakers on their roster, which is why they have to go back to the point, put put it on net and hope for a screen or a tip or someone to kind of win that secondary puck. I do think Suzuki's one of those, you know, pretty high-end um, playmakers there that can open up defenses. He can find goal scorers like Toffoli. So I'm going to go with him. I think that he's, he's someone the Leafs are going to have to watch um, pretty closely. And he's definitely one of their game breakers on that team. So I'll go, I'll go with him. Yeah, I think that's a good one. They're, a t- they're definitely a team that needs someone to step up offensively because they don't have great offense. Suzuki really quarterbacks their power play. I was thinking of picking him as well. Uh, I might have if you pick someone else. Uh, I don't want to go goalie because, again, that's too obvious. So I'm going to go I'm gonna go Shea Weber. I know that's kind of a, a, a weird pick because of his pedigree, but I know he's been hurt. I just think Jeff Petrie is a great defenseman. Uh, I think if Weber is looks like the prime version of himself, I think you really really need that to be able to shut down, you know, the one A and one B lines of the Leafs. And he hasn't really had the best year, but come playoff hockey, it, you know, you don't know what he's going to be able to get away with. We've we've seen playoff series against Chara where there's clear penalties that don't get called. I know that Florida Tampa game they. There was like a hundred plays that should have been penalties. It made it, it made for entertaining hockey, but there were a lot of missed calls. I just think he's a player that kind of scares me come playoff time. And, you know, not to be too cl- cliche, but you know he's so strong in front of the net. You know he's going to get away with with too much. Um, you know he's going to be a big big penalty killer for them. Probably playing a lot of minutes for them. If if he can look like the prime version of himself, and I guess my second X factor would have been Eric Stahl, who I mentioned earlier. Like if these guys can look like they're, you know, their old version of themselves. 
who knows what the Habs can do. Yep, I love that pick. I'm going to ask you a quick trivia question here, okay? Okay. So another thing I heard, I don't know if it was on Twitter or what, is that the Leafs are not a very good playoff team and that Montreal is a very good playoff team. So in the past five years, I just wanted to kind of put this out here. Montreal, last year they won their play-in series, the, the, the best of five. I didn't even think Pittsburgh didn't even look like they really cared, but still they won that series. They got knocked out in, let's say, the first round, so the one after the play-in series. Then after that, they made the playoffs two years before that, lost in the the first round, didn't make the playoffs before that. The last time they went on and won a first round was in 2015. Who were... So that season... Can you name their top three point getters? In 2015? 2015. And I go Thomas Placanic. Okay, so he was second, Leafs legend. Leafs legend. Um, Brendan Gallagher? Gallagher was sixth. 47 sixth. points in 82 points. In 82. Sorry, 47 points in 82 games. Okay, what about... Brian Gianta. Was he still there? No. Uh, I don't think he's here. Um, yeah, I can't even think of who else was on the team. Darnay, was he on the team? He was, but he was fifth in scoring. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, Pacioretty. Pacioretty. Yep, there you go. Pacioretty first and third. Um, do you think I'll get it? Yeah. 100%. Galchenyuk? Galchenyuk was seventh. You you got you uh-huh. to have, have this one. Uh, this is your guy. Subban? Subban, there you go. So wow. my point is, whenever I see that the Montreal is a good playoff team, I just it just makes me kind of laugh. Like Galchenyuk was on that team. I think I'm looking at the roster right now. The only guys that are currently on the team right now that were on that team are Petrie, uh, the, the, the Gallagher, and I think that is it. So... I don't think either of these teams have had too much like real playoff success in the last five years. Um, I would say that the Leafs have definitely played more playoff games, so it should be a fun series, but let's get on to these report cards. I had to kind of take a jab at, at the Habs before we, we moved on there. All right. Yeah, there's not, they haven't been a great team in general just over the right. last few years, especially up front. But, okay, so let's we're going to fly through report cards. Let's start, let's start up front. So let's go with Austin Matthews. What's your... You giving him the A plus? You have to. He's been he's been yeah. excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's no choice there. Okay, Mitch Marner. I want to go A plus two. I think he just played in all situations. He's been excellent. The points have been there. Um, really reliable all year. I think you have to give him an A plus. Yeah, I. It, it's just really how much credit do you give to Matthews versus Marner. I think it's A or A plus. I'll give him the A. And I'll be the harder marker. Um, but I think he has been very good. I mean, obviously, I I would have liked the power play clicking a bit more. But, you know, 67 points, 55 games, you can't really complain with. Uh, let's go John Tavares. I think if I put it into first half and second half, the grade would probably be different. But let's go with, I'll go B+. Plus. Yeah, I think that's about fair. 50 points in 56 games. I think he's been better defensively. I, I think you could even give him an A- minus if you if you wanted to. 
but you know there are very high expectations with him, so I think B plus is fair. Let's go Willie Nylander. I'll go. Hmm. I almost feel bad giving him like a, a bad or or not an A or something like that, but I'll give him a B. I think there's more in the tank there. I think he's. I think he's an excellent player. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, so that's why it, it almost feels like if you give him a bad grade, you're you're kind of a, a willy hater. But I'm giving him a B because I think he can be even better than what he was this year. I'm gonna give him an A minus. I think he has 68 point pace. He didn't really play top power play all year. Um, I, yeah, I I that's pretty much what I wanted to be is a, a close to 70 points. Um, yeah, I liked him. I, I think just. It's one of his best offensive seasons yet. I know the Canadian division, people think that matters, but um, I, I, I thought he played well this year, especially down the stretch. I thought he was really carrying them offensively from game one as well, that second line when Tavares wasn't clicking. I thought Nylander was playing quite well, but yeah, I, I think you can kind of go anywhere from a B to an A- minus there. Yeah, I'll go B+. plus. Now you made me feel bad. <laughs> or I made myself feel bad there. Zach Hyman, 33 points in 43 games. He got hurt. What are you giving him? A guy continues to grow every single year. He's become a puck carrier this year. Um, he he drove his old not on line. Um, it's almost a ten percent difference when he's on the line versus not on the third line with Mikheyev and Engvall. A. Yeah, I think you have to give him an A. Uh, no, no arguments there, Nicholas. Yes. Uh, Jason Spezza. A plus. A plus. A plus plus. <laughs> All right, you convinced me. A plus plus. A plus plus. Yeah, the, just is, the best point. The, the best points per sixty in his whole career. That's unbelievable to me. Yeah, no fights though. So we'll see if that <laughs> if that changes in the playoffs. Six penalty minutes this year. We'll see if he could beat that in game one. This is stereotypical uh, Alex, fourth line. This is a weirder one. I'm going down the list for points, but Alex Kerfoot. I'm a little bit conflicted on this one. What would you give him? I think it's. A, I'm probably higher on Kerfoot than a lot of people. I think his five on five production was pretty good based on how he was he played. I'm gonna give him a B. I'll give him the C plus. I mean, he had some tough situations. Like he was on like a third line that wasn't that strong to start the season. He was kind of the best player on that third line, and his results weren't great. But he's fine on the wing. He's good. At, I, I think he's a fine third line center. I don't think he, you know, I would have liked a little bit more from him. Um, but I'll give him the C plus. You can maybe say B minus if you'd like, but I'm going C plus. Next I think one, that's fair, yeah. This guy's a rookie for at least wise, at least definitely not NHL wise. Joe Thornton, twenty points in forty four games, very hot start. You have to you have to keep in mind. What would you give him? I guess B minus. I think this one's a little bit of a tough one. And this is relative to expectation, right? So he, he's kind of been at like pretty much what I expected. So I'll go B minus. Yeah, he's been a weird one. He had a really hot start, and and I know he had like a seven or eight game point streak near the end. So I, I in the middle was a bit rough to say the least. Um, obviously he's been on the wing all year. I think when he signed, maybe we thought he'd play center. I'll give him a, a B minus too. Maybe a C plus. I don't think he's been like incredibly disappointing. I don't think he's really exceeded expectations much. So I think that's fair. Ilya Mikhaev, tons of chances, not many goals, but a good penalty killer. What would you give him? I will go. I'm going to go with a B minus again. I, I with him, I think he, 
I think a lot of people would give him like even a C minus to a C, but um, he started in the defensive zone quite a bit. I do think it's quite impressive how many kind of rush chances he's had. Um, he never finishes them, and I think that's what a lot of people notice. But just the fact that he has gotten them, a lot of them are just due to his speed, his ability to bring the puck up the ice. Um, so I am quite impressed with that. I think they've relied on him on that shutdown third line. I think you need players like Mikheyev that can penalty kill, that can take on those zone starts. So I'll give him a B minus. Yeah, I'm gonna give him the C just because you know he's got to finish the chances eventually. I think he's been fine. Uh, obviously, he's not very strong offensively, other than the rush chances. Uh, like not a great playmaker or anything, but he's a good penalty killer. I don't know if he's been as good as I wanted him to be, but he's been fine. So yeah, I'll go C plus. I'll bump him up a little bit. Uh, just a few more here, Nick. Let's start with Pierre Engvall. 42 games, 12 points, a mix of center and wing. What would you give the draft? I guess if you give Mikheyev a B minus, I guess you have to give Eng- well, I have to give Engvall a C plus. Um, Engvall's an interesting one because I, I don't think at the beginning of the season, like when I was looking at in terms of my expectations of him, like I didn't think he was going to play very much because of his his cap hit. Uh, I just couldn't really figure out how they were going to fit him in unless there were, you know, a ton of injuries or just injuries in general. Um, so like if someone told me at the end of the year, I mean, at the beginning of the year that Engvall was going to play a bunch at three C, I would have probably been pretty impressed. Um, but I will go C plus. I think he's just had an up and down year in terms of just getting playing time. Obviously Keith has called him out. looks like he's a little bit harder on Engvall and players like Engvall and Nylander, um, maybe it's a way to motivate him, but just one of those guys that I, I think he's just, he's tall, he's got great reach, he can skate. I think there's a lot more there from him. So, um, you know, we'll see how he plays next year. I think he's still a, a pretty big part of this team, but maybe not for this playoffs. So I'll give him a C plus. I'll go B minus. I, I think he had lower expectations than Mikhail to start the year. Obviously, I like him in that shutdown role if needed on the wing. Uh, I actually think he's fine at center, although he's not great at faceoffs. He scored a lot recently. I think he's a good penalty killer. So yeah, I, I've been pretty happy with him. I think he's a fine depth forward. I'll give him the B minus. There's two more here, Nick. We're not going to do Boyd and Beasy. I think Beasy's grade would be pretty low. We won't do anyone like Felino Brooks. They're just you know not enough games played. But the the last two I wanted to get to one is Alex Galchenyuk. I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him a. A B plus. I, I would have been A minus if he was in the playoff lineup, because uh, I think he's been you know so much better than expectations. But it's tough to give him too great of a grade when he's not playing now. So I'm a bit torn. What would you give him there? I think B plus is what I would go with as well. Um, relative to expectations, I think he was just kind of an X factor at the beginning. Like maybe he works out, maybe he doesn't. I'm gonna give him that good grade just because of his effort off the puck. I think he's won his fair share of battles this year. Um, when it comes to offensively, he's obviously played with good players in Tavares and Nylander. Um, so I'm not giving him too much credit there. I mean, he's he's always been a pretty good offensive player. So, But just his work off the puck, I think he's been better defensively than I expected. So I think that's fair. B-plus is fine. Yeah, maybe even A-minus. Uh, we'll see what he can if he ends up getting in the playoff lineup. The last guy for forwards, Wayne Simmons. He finishes with 38 games played, 7 goals, 2 assists for 9 points. He had 3 fights. What would you give the Wayne train? 
I will go C+. He's been exactly what I've expected. Um, you know, I, I knew that he was going to bring a ton of leadership. I know he'd be, you know, kind of great in the media and, you know, he'd be a, a fan favorite within the fans and, and, the, and in the locker room. Um, I probably expected a, a few more, like a bit more offensive production from him. Um, he's been pretty cold the last, let's say, month and a half to two months, especially after the injury. Um, so I think C-plus is fair. I think he's been right up where my expectations have been. I'm going to give him a C-minus. Um, obviously, like the two-assist thing bugs me. I don't think he's going to transition. I don't think he's a good playmaker. Uh, the fighting has been a bit overrated. I know he fought, I think, the first game against Montreal. One fight of the three was in like a 7-3 game. I know he broke his wrist, which was a setback. Uh, he did have a, a bit of a, stre- a strong stretch before he broke his wrist. I think that was his, his best stretch of the season. But, um, you know, f- to me it feels like he hasn't been someone who's deserved a lineup spot every night. But, you know, he can obviously make, you know, change that in a hurry come playoff time if he's able to score those garbage goals and, and you know, have that physical presence. So uh, definitely not the end for the Wayne Simmons report card because he's, he's got a chance to redeem himself here. I just wasn't all that happy with him this year as I think I've alluded to before, but let's switch with defense here, Nick. Let's start with, I'm going to start with TJ Brody and give him the A+. I think he's been everything I wanted him to be. I'll go A. Um, I think he is everything that, you know, we've we've wanted. I think he's been even more than that. Um, I'll go A just because, you know, he hasn't been a big offensive producer. I, I think that... I wouldn't say that I expected him to be like he wasn't a big offensive producer in Calgary, um, but that's pretty much the difference between him getting my A plus versus just an A. So I think an A is fine. Okay. Fair. Let's go to Jake Muzzin. I'm gonna give him the A minus. I think he's kind of been you know as expected, not really above expectations, but not really below either. And obviously, it's just him and him and Brody. I just love having like two very strong defensive defenseman on the on the roster i'll go a minus as well um i think i expected him to be the leafs best defenseman this year i think he's been pretty close to it i think brody would probably be competing with him um but you know even at even strength he's been producing really well this year actually like total points for 60 he's the only ones who are ahead of him are, are miko letnin and sandy who have both played under 10 games this year so Muzzin offensively has been pretty good this year, uh, especially at even strength. So I'll give him an. Actually, I'm going to go with an A just because of I've almost convinced myself while I talked about him. I'll go A. All right. Morgan Riley. This is going to be a weird one. I want you to start off with this one. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with D plus because defensively. D? It's going to be D for because he has had no defense this year so that's why i'm gonna provide him with the d i'm gonna go d plus i i think that when you look at his usage first of all defensively i don't think he's been very good um i think he's a very good player but you know these grades are based off of expectations and um you know defensively he hasn't really taken a step even though he's had a very good partner in tj brody um is even strength production this year like I think it's kind of unacceptable for him to be producing less than Muzzin, like per 60, given Riley's usage. Last year, Barry was a pretty good 5-on-5 producer with the Leafs, but because he had so many offensive offensive zone starts, because he was playing with good players every single night, like we kind of 
kind of offset that because of how bad he was defensively. And I kind of have to give that same treatment to Riley here because I think he's been put in every single situation here to kind of be really good with the Leafs. And I don't know, I, I think I might be a little harsh here, but um, relative to expectations, I think D-plus is probably where I'd have him. D-plus? I would not yeah. give him that low. I would give him a... I would give him a C plus, maybe yeah, C plus. I know that the the defense is poor, but like he is pretty good offensively. I don't really care about points for defensemen too much. I know the power play has been a big concern this year. I don't know if he's got the best shot, but I do think he's fine. I think you know, Leafs fans get on him a little bit too much for that. I still think he's a good player. Um, I don't think he's near Tyson Berry or anything. So I, I think the D plus is a bit harsh, but yeah, relative to expectations, I'd say he's below that. Um, a, a little bit, but I guess I'm the I'm the nicer grader here. So let's for, go for with the, for the defense only. I don't know, like I don't I don't really care about points either. But like with Riley, like that's kind of what he has to do. Like he has to he has to be a difference maker offensively, which I think he is, but not to the degree that I expected. That's for sure. So that's kind of my that's my uh, that's why I give him the D plus. I don't know. I just think he was kind of as expected. This is kind of what he is. I right. don't know. I, I, we'll talk about Riley, I'm sure, in the offseason. Yeah, definitely. But we'll move on to Justin Hall for now. What are your thoughts on him? I think last year what we would have given him an A+. What are you giving him this year? I'm going to go with a B. I think at the beginning of the year, he was putting up points. And, you know, obviously he was almost overrated at the beginning of the year because of people were talking i think that the norris thing was a joke but i do think some people were, were somewhat serious about it uh like the hall for norris thing um so i think he was a bit overrated at the beginning of the year and then as soon as the points like kind of dried up as a defenseman who's playing his type of minutes you know that does happen um People start to sour on him. So I will give him a B. I don't think he's been as bad as people. He's almost underrated now. Um, so I'll give him a B. I think he's been exactly what they need. He He's expected to be a number four defenseman. I think he's played like a number four defenseman this year. He takes the top competition with Muzzin. Um, he hardly gets beat off the rush. I don't think he makes very many mistakes. But, you know, I think when, when the rest of the top four are, are Muzzin, Brody, guys who never make mistakes, and Riley, who's virtually a fan favorite. I think sometimes Justin Hall is kind of the other one in that top four. Who so, um, I think I think I think some of the the criticism of him is a bit unwarranted. So that's where I am. I'm giving him the A. I'm giving him the A. Yeah, I, I love think that. he's. Yeah. I think him and Muzzin have worked well together all year. Obviously, last year, you know, he was such a surprise um, that I would have given him the A plus, but. You know, for someone who's making like I think he makes like just over two million, um, to be a legitimate top four defenseman, I I, I just think he's like I could I I'd put him out there against anyone like McDavid. Obviously, that's kind of the joke. <laughs> um, but even like any Habs line, sure, any Winnipeg line, sure, you can go up against anyone, feel comfortable. And I just think like just salary expectation and just I guess that like w- there was some question marks heading into the year because. He was kind of a one-year wonder at that point. Uh, I've been pretty happy with him. So, yeah, I don't think he's an amazing offensive defenseman, but I just think he's, you know, provides some size. He's a good transition defender. He can kill penalties. I've been pretty happy with him. I, I think, you know, if we look back a couple of years and, and, you know, what kind of right-shooting defenseman we wanted, I think he's he's kind of fits the bill. So 
I'll give him uh, I'll give him the A there because I'm the nicer grader tonight. Next. I know, especially with the defense, because I thought I was being nice giving him a B because I don't know if I see in my mentions or my timeline like people are pretty hard on him. This have been pretty hard on him this second half of the season. So I thought I was being the nice guy there, but you uh, one up me. So let's go with a weird one here, Travis Dermott. I I will go with a ooh, relative to expectation that. That's the tough part here. Let's go C+. Um, defensively, I think he's been pretty good. He's just been so low event this year. I think we all expected him to kind of be closer to a top four defenseman than, a, than you know, kind of out of the lineup. And, you know, here we are about to start the playoffs and we're having legitimate conversations where we think that he should be scratched for game one uh, because of Sandine. So for that reason, I'll give him a C+. Um, but... You know, he's such a fan favorite. I think he's such a likable guy that, you know, I think we're all rooting for him. But, but yeah, just not the jump that we expected. Yeah, I'm going to go C. Uh, so you'll be the nicer one for, for now. You know, when you look at things like Wells above replacement, he's very weak, uh, specifically offensively. And I think the point total speaks to that. I don't normally care about points much, but six points in 51 games on the Leafs, like you can't get more than that just from, you know, breakout passes. Uh, I do think the defense has been solid. I do think that the Bogosian-Dermott pairing has been pretty strong this year, so I don't want to go worse than a C just because I think that pair has been been pretty good. But, yeah, he definitely didn't take the step up I was looking for. Um, I, I do think he's a good player. He's a very good transition defender. I just He hasn't really improved as a puck mover at all uh, to the point where, yeah, I, I think we're both kind of... We have Sandine over him if, if push comes to shove, so... Uh, I, I got to be a little bit disappointed that he didn't really look like a top four defenseman this year. He was a fine third pairing defenseman, but nothing really special. And I think the offense was particularly disappointing, but I did like that third pairing. And that's going to bring us to our last defenseman here, Nick, which was Zach Bogosian. I mean, relative to expectation, I, I guess you got to give him an A minus. Um, I thought this was Polak part two. It has not been Polak part two. He's been very reliable. He hasn't been turning the puck over. He makes passes that are within his means. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's been great on the penalty kill. They've relied on him when they're in the lead. He's a pretty important part of this team. And I'm, I'm like genuinely excited for him to get back in the lineup. So, you know, A, it probably should be an A. I'm, I'm going to change it from an A minus to an A, actually. All right. I got to go B plus. I guess expectations maybe an A minus. He's been solid. Um, obviously, like like with Dermot, he's only got four points, and that pairing really hasn't pr- produced anything offensively. Um, I, I do think he's he's a good penalty kill option. He's strong. He brings some physicality. I do think that yeah, there was some Polak risk, uh, but he has been pretty good. So yeah, B plus maybe an A minus. I think we're we're kind of in the same ballpark there where. Uh, he, I thought he looked good for Tampa, so I guess I had slightly higher expectations. But I, I definitely have been pretty happy with him. So I think anywhere from the B-plus to A range is, is, is fine. Uh, the goaltending is going to be interesting here. I don't know. You might have to sit down for this one. Let's start Let's start with Frederick Anderson so we can end on a, a positive. I did not have very high expectations for him coming into the season. I think I have been... Anderson? On Anderson, yeah, I, I, okay. I don't, I don't think I expected Campbell to take over as kind of drastically as he did. 
Um, but I wasn't confident with Anderson coming into the season. I went to a bunch of those Bruins games live in, in Boston um, during those series. So those goals kind of stick in my mind um, quite a bit, uh, especially Game 7 in 2018. Um, so I will go with a... If I'm giving Riley a D plus and and he didn't even lose his spot in the lineup, then <laughs> I don't even know what I would, I'd have to give Anderson. Uh, I'll, you know, let's go D. I guess you know he's he's lost his spot. He's he was pretty much the the legitimate first number one goalie with the Leafs for years, um, and he's completely lost his spot. Like Campbell's completely taken it over. Obviously, he was injured. Um, Anderson was injured. He didn't look good in those a few games, and they shut him down for the rest of the season. He didn't look good playing with the Marlies. Um, so, yeah, I guess D, like, it's tough to say, though, because, you know, he's obviously been with the team for so long. Yeah, I think it has to be a D. I mean, he had an 8.95 save percentage this year in 24 games, and I do think, and I've said this all along, I do think he's better than his save percentage suggests, but even if he is a little bit better, it's not really what you you wanted from him. Like he's a career nine fifteen goalie, uh, nowhere near that. He did lose his job partly because Jack Campbell's been amazing. We'll get to him in a second here, but you know another one like Wayne Simmons, where if you can have a strong playoffs and he gets a chance and, and really takes advantage, you know he can really change that report card in a hurry. So yeah, definitely a disappointing. I don't think that you can really do anything better than a D, like just just based on what happened. I know he's playing through injuries at times, um, and, and I do think he's obviously been a very strong goalie as a Leaf, especially dating back, you know, in his first three seasons here. But yeah, I think it's got to be a D. But let's end on a positive note: the king of positivity himself, Jack <laughs> Campbell. How many pluses are we allowed here? Is it two? Is that's the max? Six. Six is the Six? legal limit. That is. We'll do 10 because of his 10 win streak. No, no, no. Can't do 10. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, as many pluses as you can get with an A stapled right before those. I mean, he's he's won this number one position. He's been excellent. I think he's at a... Last time I checked, he was at a 925. That's probably changed since. Um, so if you take... 921. 921. Yeah. That's still better than... Any of Anderson's seasons with the Leafs, I know Campbell's obviously like the sample is a lot lower. Um, but what is he? Seventeen two and two now. I don't have it in front of me, but uh, I do. It's seventeen three and two. That that loss to Winnipeg was heartbreaking. Yeah, we need to take away one of the six pluses. But um, yeah, you know Campbell's been excellent this year. As you said, he's been positive while he's been doing it. You know, I I really hope that he's the guy that really pushes this Leafs team into some rounds because such a likable guy. Yeah, I think you have to go A-plus. Uh, I'll go the legal limit, six pluses. Um, <laughs> just based on, yeah, the winning streak was was great. The Just the storyline's been great. Um, obviously, I know coming into the year you thought, okay, what's he going to be? Because is he going to be a backup? Is he going to be a liability like, you know, a Sparks? Um, you really don't know with goalies year to year, especially one that's unproven like Campbell. Um, and, and he's been everything and more. Like if you would have told me he'd be in the nine over nine twenty say percentage the start of the year, like that's that's just amazing. Uh, obviously, the game one starter, um, like like Anderson, because his report card could change in a hurry depending on how things go. But I think we had to go a plus a 
a plus and then maybe some pluses added on yeah definitely uh, for him especially. i think that was the right call yeah but there are a few more we're done with the roster players but there are a few more members of the organization that we can go through um i'll let you start sheldon keith this year first full season coaching the team uh what would your grade be for him I'm going to go A-. minus. I think he had a lot of good pieces. Um, like like Brody, for example, was a huge addition. Bogosian was a huge addition. Um, I don't know, like, the power play, I'll knock him for a bit, even though it's mainly, you know, the assistant coach. Um, I, yeah, A-. minus. I think he's been good. I've been happy with him. I don't know if he's been, you know, a miracle worker um, with anyone, but I, I can't really complain. Like, obviously, they, had the, they won their first division title. Maybe an A, I mean, because of the division title and just the fact they finished first. But I don't know if I would say, like, he was, like... I don't, I'm not maybe voting him for Jack Adams. I don't know if it's, like, a, a miracle work. But he was good. Like, I don't I don't have much to complain about. Let's just say that. I'm going to go with an A. Um, I think he... I do think that the team has obviously been good. They haven't been facing many injuries. Um, but... The games that they did lose this year, I thought the Leafs dominated a lot of them. I think that there's a clear difference between the way that this team plays now and even after he took over than when Babcock played. I think that you can clearly see that his stamp is on this team right now. And that's a big reason for why they are, you know, the number two team in expected goals, one of the best teams in defending leads, something that you know, past coaching staffs wasn't was never able to do. So I do think that defensively they have a lot better players. Defensively they have better defensemen. But I do think that he's kind of put a stamp on this team. So I'm gonna give him an A. And this is something I've actually been following for, you know, at least a month now, kind of waiting for it to happen. But right now when you look at NHL records and points percentage, so and you look at their career points percentage, like all the coaches. Keeps in the top 10 right now. He's 62, 29, and 12 as a head coach. His points percentage is 660. There's only one coach that's ahead of him right now. And that's Dean. I can never pronounce his name. Is it Everson? I think so. Yeah. Minnesota's? Yeah. He's that's the how I one. say it. Yeah. So he's the only one that's ahead of him. They've been kind of, keeps been right on his tail all year. That last win for Minnesota, like, that's actually the, re- sorry, the last loss for the Leafs. If the Leafs won that, then Keith would actually be the would have the best points percentage among any head coach right now. So active head coach that is. Um, so I'm going to give him an A because I think that's really impressive considering the the state that this team was in last year when he took over. Yeah, fair enough. All right, what's and your last one, Dubis? I'm guessing we have to go with Dubis and, and your boy Pridham if you want. After he's going to get all the pluses that uh, Campbell didn't get, <laughs> but let's go Dubis first. Yeah, Pridham. Anytime I do a Pridham joke on Twitter, it's it's my most well liked tweet. I think just people just love Brennan Pr- Pridham for some reason. But that was a good Dubis, tweet, though. That was a good tweet. <laughs> with Dubis, you know the Kadri thing's done now. That's that would have been the last year's report card. Um, this year, I'll give him an A. I think there's been. I don't know if if Thornton Simmons have been amazing. I think they've been okay. I think the Brody one, he definitely needs some credit for. Obviously, the Jack Campbell one, I'm still giving him credit for just because he had that breakout year and they got him for nothing. 
Obviously, re-signing and even trading for Muzzin has been a big addition. He's really rebuilt that blue line. Um, up front, you know, the Galchenyuk move was, was pretty smart. I thought the Riley Nash one could prove to be pretty smart. Um, the Marchment one isn't looking great, but that's a pretty small trade. Like, I, I, I tweeted about it the other day, and people were kind of overreacting from it, but... Um, I think overall, I, I got to give him an A. I just think he's been, you know, pretty solid. He's addressed the goaltending, other than Freddie. Um, obviously, Campbell though it was really just the goaltending. The defense is, is is much better. This team still has its top prospects in, in Robertson, Sandin, Lilligren, Amirov. So, you know, they they had a very tough cap situation, and they had to trade Janssen Kapanen, but I think they did quite well all all in all. I'm going to go A+. Plus. I think that when you look at the the moves that have kind of built up to the season, like you said, Brody, I thought was a great, great signing. When it comes to Simmons and Thornton, I think the signing themselves was were good. The way that Simmons has played this year, I don't think Dubas really has, like in terms of how he's been deployed and the fact that he might be in the playoff lineup, I don't think that's Dubas' fault. I think that would fall on Keefe if something does happen. Um, but... Just how he, Dubis, conducted himself around the trade deadline. Like, they knew that they needed a, a middle six forward. They got that. They didn't give up any current roster player. They didn't give up any of their top prospects, or any prospect, really. They did give up their first-round pick. Um, it's not a very deep draft this year. I do think that, you know, they've drafted fine in the later rounds that they can afford to give up a first-round. And I do think that their prospects are more important than that first round pick this year. So I was really impressed with that. The And then just, just the other moves. I think Riley Nash was great. I think Galchenyuk obviously has been really good. Um, so I'm going to give him the A+. Plus. I think he's, he's obviously a big reason why this team looks looks as good as they do right now. Yeah, the only one I, I wanted Hall over Foligno. But I, I'm going to wait and see how Foligno plays in the playoffs. That'll be if Felino really kills it, I'll give him the A plus. If if Felino doesn't really work out, then maybe he's in the A minus range. But he's been good. I'm happy with the Leafs overall. I can't complain too much. I think anywhere in the A range is, is definitely fair. Yeah, I think I'm kind of over the the Hall thing now. I think once I saw him in the Bruins jersey, I was I was done with him. So already ready? Are you ready for some trivia? I got one one trivia for you. Okay. The Leafs played the Bruins in the 2019 playoffs. I want to get the game one lines from you. Do you think you could do it this time? I, Last time, I think it was the first game of the season. This is the, the playoff lines. For game one. I'm trying to think if I was at that game. I was at 2019, you said? Yep. I was at game two. So Okay, very I, similar lineup. Yeah, so the, the, the third. So Kadri played with Nylander. I know that. Wow, okay, this is a good start. Um, I'm trying to think of who the winger was. I don't even know if Marlo was on that team. Let's go Marlo. Yeah, it's Marlo. Okay, so Marlo. Yeah. Um, so you got Marlo. Hold on, you got Marlo, Kadri, Nylander. Yep. Then, that was the line. Uh, da, 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 da. Tavares, Marner, and who was on their wing? Played there the whole year. Janssen? Nope. Oh. This was a good line. Tavares. This was Tavares' first season, right? Oh, Hyman. 
Yep. Yeah, okay. And then Matthews played with? With Kapanen, and who was their left winger? I remember being not happy with it. Oh, that might have been Janssen, actually, in that series. That was Janssen, yeah. yeah. And then the fourth line. Can you get the fourth line? You've been pretty good here. The the two, you know how you said that you're very good with past drafts? Yeah. The the two Boston series are very close to my heart. Even the 2013 one, actually, um, because I was there uh, in Boston. So those ones I was following very closely. Um, and I was really active in terms of writing back then. So fourth line. So Trevor Moore. Yep. Gauthier? Yep. Okay, actually, I do know this one because uh, Ennis was on that line as well because, um, yeah, Moore and Ennis were together because I remember in game three, Moore scored that no. goal. No. No. En- Ennis came in because Kadri got suspended. Ooh. So maybe I don't know these series as well. You know um, this guy. He got traded after the year. Well, I'm blank. Give me one more hint there. He's pretty good now. Pretty good player. He was he, he played on the lease for a few years. Oh. Well liked. Oh, Brown. Yeah, Connor Brown. That's Ennis a, did come in though. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a weird fourth line. The um yeah, those those whenever I think of playoffs, like those series against Boston, those were just the games in Boston, like that that's like the epitome of of playoff hockey to me. Okay, you gotta get the D pairings, and then we're gonna head out. Okay, so let's D. go. So Muzzin Zaitsev, one of my favorite. No. What? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Muzzin oh, Zaitsev. Okay, don't. This, we talked about that for like a full <laughs> year on the podcast. I would have. Sorry, I thought you were gonna go with Riley's pair, and I was like, No, no, so, Muzzin didn't play. So he's with Hainsey. Yeah. Riley Hainsey, and then Dermot and. Uh... Come on. Oh, Gardner. Yeah, Gardner. Gardner, that was a yeah. Anderson both, Sparks were your goalies. Both injured. What a team! Dermot and Gardner were uh, were fighting injuries. That that game yeah, too. I remember that was the one. Hyman was too, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. That the game one, they came out and I remember they were really stretching out Boston. They had that breakaway goal where Nylander scored. And game two, I remember being there and they. They dressed Bacchus, and every Boston fan that was around me was criticizing the Boston coach, uh, Cassidy, about saying, oh, look at how good Boston's playing. The only reason they're playing well is because Bacchus is in the lineup. Why was he not in the lineup game one? We would have swept them, this, that. So, yeah, according to Boston fans, Bacchus was the difference maker in that series. So so there's a bit of trivia for you. Hopefully Bacchus doesn't show up in a Habs uniform. Right? <laughs> we'll be in trouble. But yeah. thanks everyone, thanks everyone for listening. We're gonna be doing some post game pods coming up here, and we wish the Leafs all the best in Game One. Go Leafs, go!